Glad you're here. Uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do today and just what he's going to speak. And uh, we're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 9 here in, in just a couple moment, moments. And, um, but a few months ago, I have to tell you, today, actually today's the, we're ending you know, um, fasting. So if you need a memo to like stop you know, uh, fasting, like today's the day. Like you're allowed to go back and eat uh, back to your normal diet. But be careful with it. it don't go overboard. It can make you sick. But uh, uh, a few months ago, I wanted to tell you about this, that uh, Tara and I had this great opportunity. Many of you know that we have like a, a side business. We have a furniture business we run on the side. And uh, we had this great client, and she ordered like six custom pieces from us. Really cool. It was the biggest client we've ever had. We're just like doing, like she's in her new house. We just did all these pieces. Well, she wanted this very specific piece of furniture. She wanted like a hutch thing. I didn't really know what a hutch was before this, but I guess it's like a thing you put near the kitchen ish, dining room ish, and you put a bunch of things in it, okay? So for the guys out there that don't know what it is, that's what it is. So she wanted one of these, but she wanted one like very specific dimensions, like only 12 or 13 inches wide, which is kind of a small hutch. So we we were either going to build this or we go and find it and like customize it. Well, we couldn't, before we were building it, we just started looking. Well, we finally found one that was kind of in the dimensions and it kind of had you know, some things, some bones we could, we felt we could work with. Well, I drive all the way out to like Atlantic Beach and go pick this thing up, got it cheap, get it home, and it's ugly. I mean, it's super ugly, but we got a vision for it. We're going to remake it. I'm telling you, this piece almost was the death of us. Like, we, like, it was so bad. First of all, I had paint, and if you ever think that stripping paint off a piece of furniture is easy, you are, are greatly mistaken. It is not easy, and it took a ton of time and a ton of energy and so we were just kind of exhausted, just stripping this paint off of this thing. Well, I started to get into the structural side, and we're pulling some things kind of around, and we realized, this thing is crap. Like, it is not made well at all. Like, it's got, like, all, it's just, like, it's rigged. It's just rigged up, and it's, it's got, like, good doors, but other than that, we've got to gut the whole thing, because it had, like, glass doors. We kept those. Man, we just spent hours and hours on this, and we were just, I can't tell you how many days we were working on that, and we were just ready to throw it in the trash every single day, because we had pretty much completely rebuilt it, and what I learned through that whole experience, and why I even say this, is that I found it's actually probably easier to just build a piece from scratch than it is to try to do like piece work on an old piece. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about that have done any kind of building or, or crafting or anything. Sometimes just easier just to build it straight from scratch than completely, you know, have to redo the whole thing. Sometimes the, the old doesn't fit with the new in what you want to do. It ended up working out great. She loved it, and it was a, a great piece in her home. But I think we've all found this, that sometimes the old doesn't fit with the new. Like when you're single, you got the two-door sedan, and as you get married and have kids or, you know, whatever, the two-door sedan doesn't really work anymore, right? The old doesn't really fit with the new. Or some of you college students in the house, you're carrying on your high school old studying habits, and you're realizing as you're in college, like, those habits don't really coexist with new school and pressure and how much you are paying for school. You, like, have to change. The old can't stay. The new has to come. I want to look to a passage of scripture in Matthew 9, verses 14 through 17, in which Jesus says just this, that the old can't coexist with the new, that God, you can't just patch on something. Let's read. Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? So here we are talking about fasting, here we are connected there. 
How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they'll fast. There was a t- basically, there was a time and a place for fasting. Jesus was saying, it's not when I'm around. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. It's a powerful text, and I want to unpack it for us today. Um, as Jesus does, he usually speaks like these really common practical analogies and parables such as this about an everyday task, things that you and I don't know how to do, like even patching. Does it, let me just find out, how many of you would know how to sew a patch? You'd probably super glue it, but if you know how to like actually sew a patch onto a piece of clothing, anybody? Way more thrifty than what I thought, guys and gals. I'm speaking for myself then. Um, I have no idea how to do that. would mess it up horribly. But he's given these very much everyday practical object lessons, basically. You don't throw a patch on this. It's not going to work. And you don't do that with wineskins either, a very normal thing. So I want to unpack this for us, kind of at three different levels. First, of what Jesus is speaking to, I believe that he's speaking deeply about our salvation, what it means to be saved what it truly means to be saved. You have to picture his audience. Jesus is talking to mostly a Jewish crowd, mostly. There's some other like, you know, non-theist or whatever out there and, you know, with pluralistic lots of gods or whatever and hedonist or mostly a Jewish audience that he's speaking to here. And he's saying, look, the old can't coexist with the new. You can't really just slap the new covenant on the old covenant. Sometimes that's how we look at the scripture, right? We look at the Bible and we say, well, we had this Old Testament. What's the relationship here? And we feel like the New Testament was just like a, a patch slapped onto the Old Testament because the Old Testament was really hard, right? Because the law was really hard. And that's kind of the point is that it was really hard. Like the, the Jews, kind of their law was 514 rules of what it meant to honor God and love God and to love our neighbors. Or if you just want to boil it down to the Ten Commandments, right, you can take those things Basically, a set of rules. And then, again, from the beginning, I can pull back where it was always about faith. It was always about faith. Abraham received righteousness because he believed God. That's a message for another day. But sometimes we just feel like we're just patching this Jesus thing onto the Old Testament and onto our rules, and we find that it doesn't coexist. In fact, it makes things worse. That's kind of my story in salvation. That's kind of my story with God as I grew up in the church and there were so many good-hearted people that taught the gospel, I felt like, really well. But many times how I took that in my life was not Jesus wanting to completely take everything that was in me and make it new. But in fact, I took it, hey, Kyle, you keep on doing your best to be good, and then take this Jesus, and he's going to kind of make up the difference, right? And then, so it was always about me being better and better and better. It was never about the glory and greatness of God being great in and through me. And so th- there's a difference there, and I think we have to make sure we understand that, because I-, I think maybe the best way for us to understand this is like an acorn, right? An acorn goes into the ground, and it, it-, it kind of ceases to be an acorn, but its purpose is fulfilled 
and the greatness and the glory of an oak, a giant oak tree, right? And, and so that's kind of how we can look at the old covenant, that it, it went in the ground with, with Jesus, and it has a completely new form in the new covenant, and that it's still, its essence is there, but it, its glory and its greatness is much greater than what it ever was as just an acorn that no one noticed, and it brought shade and, and shelter for no one. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? So salvation, I think, is a big part of what uh, Jesus is saying here. I mean, look at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Uh, we were just talking about um, in this past song that, you know, he writes, uh, he fills this, um, um, his glory basically with earthen vessels. And he writes on earthen vessels. And that's where we find this in 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, a new creation has come. The old's gone and the, the new is here. But many times we're just trying to do maybe what I was doing, and we're just trying to slap a little Jesus onto our situation, just trying to, man, I'm really struggling with this. Let me just slap some Jesus on here, and we end up patching it, and we end up treating kind of Jesus like this nicotine patch. Like when we're really struggling, we're really going through time, I'll just throw the Jesus patch on, right? I mean, just think about it. Think about it in your own life. How many times do we treat our relationship with God like that? Man, things got tough today. Man, I really, Jesus, you need to help me. I got a tough test. God, you need to help me. We're struggling financially. God, and then those are the time we come. But what about, what about the rest of the time? What about the time when everything's amazing? Like, where, where is our Jesus patched in? And that's just not the way that, that it's designed to be. It's, it's more fulfilled in, in God completely making us new. I was sharing this with some, um, some anchor group leaders from, from our current season that's coming up. Uh, last night, uh, as, as we shared, and, and we're just praying over this coming season, I shared with them, just like, let God do something new in you in this season, and um, let God do something just really cool in you, and uh, I, I really uh, believed that, that God was going to do something amazing through our church three years ago as we began. I, really, I knew that God was going to just do awesome things through us, and I had made all these great plans about what we were going to do and vision for one, two, five, twenty years. I thought and planned it all, right? But I, I, I've said this a million times from the stage, and I want to say it again today, that the only thing I couldn't prepare and calculate is what God was going to do in me. And it was, it's always been the best part. No offense to you. <laughs> but you can't take that away from me. You can leave and you can move, but you cannot take away from me what God's done in my life and the transformation that's happened in my life. And I've seen that in every season. I think that's part of what, what God's speaking, speaking to here. Let's move on from the idea of salvation. Hopefully that kind of paints a good picture that we can be completely made new, not just a piece of us. I think there's another element of what Jesus is speaking about when he, he talks not just about the patching, but about the wineskins. That sounds super weird to you. And if you think that's just the name of it's weird or the idea of it's weird, it's about to get a lot more weird as I tell you how they made them. Okay, so I want to I tell you about how they made these wineskins. It is what it was. It was skin, flesh of an animal, or the skin of an animal that they stored wine in. Yeah, sounds gross. It is gross. Probably wouldn't do it today. I don't know. Somebody might, but um, they went through this incredible process, and I think if you'll kind of track with me here, it's going to speak something not only to our, our salvation, but also to this kind of big theological word called sanctification, which means the ongoing process of God making us new, the ongoing process of God bringing us into his image and up to the perfection that he sees us already. He, he dragging us into that, out of our dead 
through habits. Jesus makes us new, but he drags us out of those old habits through his love and through his kindness and his grace. It's called sanctification. And so I think there's an element of that that's also said here through the process of the wineskins. Well, first, what had to happen? An animal had to die, most likely, like an animal was sacrificed for your wineskin, right? It was usually a, a sheep, a lamb would be sacrificed, or a goat, sometimes an ox or something else, but mostly a lamb or a goat. And so take this skin, and then they would soak it. The first step is they would soak it uh, in water and just to get it clean and begin to, get, to soften it some. I want you to think about your own walk with Jesus. For some of you, you, you began to follow Jesus and responded to this call a long time ago. Some of you very recently. And so I want you to think back like when you first responded to that call. You first felt that. And what happened in those next coming days, in those next maybe month, month or two, maybe a year. I don't know how long it lasted. But isn't there this like incredible like softening of the heart that takes place? Like a, a real... Humility, like sometimes I've seen it just as a worship leader for many, many years. I've, I've seen it in people. Like when God's doing real things, like the waterworks are happening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not just when we're going through tough times, but like God's really doing some deep things in our heart. And like we're just, God's cleaning us out and he's softening us to what he wants to do in our life. And, this come, and we're just a little bit overwhelmed, right? I just kind of feel like maybe that's that first step in this process and maybe even in a new season for some of us as we end fasting and kind of move into this new season of our life, that God is softening us. Maybe in the past 21 days of the church, God's been softening us. And I, and I believe that he's been cleaning us physically, if nothing else, <laughs> right? Physically, just getting some junk out of our body, getting some toxins out of our body. But I bet spiritually, too, there's been just a sharpening of focus in our spirit and just listening to what God's saying and that was the first step that they had for these skins. They'd first, they'd soak it in water and just start to clean it, soften it up, prepare it for this ongoing process that was going to take place to become the vessel that they wanted it to be. Next, they would pound it. they continue cleaning to remove what? The fat and the flesh. They'd pound the skin. How many of you ever felt like God's just beating down on you or life is just beating down on you? Anybody? Be honest. Like, it's just coming from every direction. Every, like, it's flying. It's hitting the fan. Life is hitting the fan. You know what I mean? Like, we're just feeling it. Sometimes we just feel the pressure and the, the pounding of life. And many times we're like, God, where are you in all this? Why are you working against me? And we don't see this as a part of the process. I remember uh, hearing the story about Mother Teresa and this young guy that was over there kind of interning with her. It was interesting to think of interning with Mother Teresa, but he did. And uh, I guess he had a relationship. Like, he was long distance. He was in Calcutta, and his girlfriend was here in the States. And it's really hard, you know, super hard. Tell that to Mother Teresa. Like, <laughs> wrong lady to ask. And he said, Mother, Mother uh, Teresa, would you, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm really hurting. I'm really struggling with my relationship. And I just feel like I'm just really hurting. And, and she said, no. What a sweet lady, you know. Well, I said, she said, no, I'm not going to pray for you. God's using this. And you're like, what a, what a profound statement that God's using this. He's refining you. Sometimes when life is pounding on it, God uses it. God uses it. And he uses it in really incredible ways to remove the flesh. If I told you right now, like, you're going to have to go through some things 
to like take that flesh off. Like, I mean, I'm not a hunter. I've never killed anything with a gun, except I did like torture some squirrels with a BB gun when I was a kid, just being honest. Um, but I've never like, I've never skinned anything. I've never done anything like that. Um, but that's part of the process. And it is for us. Like, I mean, what, what did uh, Paul say? It just have to crucify, have to die daily to the flesh. Have to die daily to it. And that's a part of the process. And not just the flesh, but what, also the fat. Some of us, like we just get fat in our faith. We just start having all this great head knowledge. And it just, we get this good thing going with us and God. And we're just happy. And life is amazing. And we know theology. We know everything's good. And like we're good attendees at church. And we're doing all these good things. But there is, we're, there's no muscle. There's no lifting. There's no engaging in the mission of God, which I, I feel is the, 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 real, the real muscle that begins to be used in an incredible way. So many of us, we're just spiritually fat, and we need that, that step in the process, pounding, continue clean to remove um, the flesh and the fat. Next, it gets weird. Um, next, the next two steps you're going to hate. One, they would soak skin many times in urine. Yep, that's where your wine would be held. Um, they, they would soak it in urine and, and with salt because they were abrasives. Because as powerful as these two things have happened so far in the process, it's not done yet. You ever come around a corner, you know, in life? You ever come around a corner and like, man, got through that one. Everything's going to be okay now. And it's just like open horizon before you. And we just think we'll never have to learn another lesson. We've got what we need now. We went through that tough time. You know what you find out in two years? Another one of those are coming. Another one of those are coming. And maybe from these first two, like, we, all right, I'm getting the, the, the fat removed. I'm really starting to engage in the mission of God and what he's calling me to. I mean, I really cut off some of these, these sins that are killing me spiritually, that don't reflect the nature of who God is. Those have been pounded out of me. Praise God, I'm really doing well. And you know what remains? All this nasty hair. All this nasty hair. I had these two roommates in college, and they were the hairiest people on the planet. And both of them shaved their chest. Sorry, it's getting weird and gross in here. We're talking about pee soaking. And they shaved their chest, and my bathroom was the nastiest bathroom you've ever seen in your life. Because there was just these little, like, Frodo hairs <laughs> and Pakistani hairs all over our kitchen floor. It was it was insane. It was nasty. And you wouldn't want your wine, you wouldn't want your beverage of choice to be soaking in this hair-infested vessel, would you? That sounds disgusting, right? But they'd soak it in your, and there had to be some abrasive, and so they'd soak it in this salt, and usually it was from kids in the neighborhood, and they'd pay them a little bit of money for their urine, because there were just little pots on the corner, and that's where they would pee, kind of like some of you are familiar with in Europe. It soaks skin, this abrasive. <laughs> well, it was very popular there not too long ago. So, anyway. Not, I mean, hundreds of years ago, but still. <laughs> Let's move on. But they would have to scrape this hair. And you know what? This, this hair, I, I believe, is, can really be representative of how we think everything starts to be going good and we're just kind of in the season, like, I'm good, getting, getting the fat out. I, I'm really stopped sinning. Look at me, God, I stopped sinning. You really pounded that out of me. 
God, look at me. I'm doing all these good church things. No more fat. I'm really going after it. And we, and we really begin to get prideful in ourselves. And these next two phases, three and four, are really for us. Scrape the hair out. They're little things that spoil what God wants to do in us. And what begins to happen is that they take it out, and as they're scraping it, it, it dries out. And so they need to soften it up. And so what do they do? As if soaking it in urine was not nasty enough, they begin to beat dung into it. Yes, dung. They don't use this of, of humans, but of animals. I don't know if that makes it better, but whatever. Um, they beat dung into it, or they'd soak it in the animal brains, into the skin to soften it. Many times in our faith, we get really proud about what God's doing. Really proud of, of these things. And we begin to think, look what I did. We forget that a lamb had to be sacrificed for this process to start. And without the sacrifice of the animal, and without the tanner working this, you're still just a deadbeat animal. And they beat this dung in to soften it up and prepare it for this next phase. And let's go to the last phase. Had to dry. Had to really, let's move this thing into shape. How many of you guys have ever been through a dry season? As I say that, my mouth is super like cotton mouth, so I'm going to take a drink of water. You ever been through a dry season? Yeah? Many times we're asking ourselves the same thing, like when we're getting pounded on or getting scraped or something's going on, we're wondering, God, what's this all about? It's hot out here, and like, I'm drying out. I'm like, where are you in all this? It's part of the process. Part of the process. Because they do it by air or sometimes by fire. Sometimes not such a natural process. And, and I honestly believe like what's happening in those first four steps, I, I believe determines whether you get tried by fire sometimes or by air. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like if we get the message and we just begin to respond to what he's doing, um, the fire doesn't have to be as hot sometimes in life. Um, sometimes it, it does for uh, God's knowledge and not ours, but that's such an important phase that many times we think the dry seasons are all about suffering. But the dry seasons are about being shaped into the vessel that God's called us to be. The dry seasons of, of loneliness or depression or physical ailments or just wondering, God, where are you in all of this brokenness in the world? struggles in your marriage or work and losing your job, whatever it might be, you wonder, God, where are you in all this? And we never think, we never realize it's a part of the process that God is just shaping us together to become the vessel, the, the new wineskin that can receive new wine. It's a part of the process. And so maybe today you're in this room and I'm talking to you specifically about salvation and you've made it really all about slapping a patch on the old. And, and, and it's time to kind of break that mentality. But maybe you're in this place and you've just wondered, God, what's, all, what's the dry season about? Why do I feel like I'm getting pounded on? And maybe through this wineskin process, we can see that God's not, uh, Christ isn't only saying something about our salvation, but the ongoing process of him refining us and making us into a new wineskin. You see, I think Jesus was speaking in, in maybe a third realm here that wasn't, maybe only just individually, 
but it was also communally. That what God was going to do, what Christ was, was initiating, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in the new covenant, what he was beginning in that moment, what he was fulfilling of the law. He said, I didn't say I come to abolish it, but I come to fulfill it. What he was doing in this was not just for our individual level, but it was also this corporate thing that he was doing. What I, I think what he might be saying to us as a church today is that we are the new wineskin that he wants to pour the new wine into. And that we can have all that he's called us to and we can pour it out and be the vessel that he's called us to be if we'll make a choice to be used of God and, and, and respond to his call and respond to his urging and, and, and not yell at him, not that he can't handle it, when the process is taking place. But we just begin to embrace the process, begin to embrace the process and stay steadfast in our faith and faithfulness at every step. Our tr- I, I think of just, it's funny, man, like um, we've, we've gone through just like so many interesting seasons, seasons at a, as a church. Um, many of you have been around for all, all of those, and um, I, I love you guys so much. And I mean that, I mean that genuinely, um, because there's been a lot of hard seasons in the life of our church. I know for me personally, and just, and you felt that at times. Uh, I just want to tell you that I love you. And, um, and what I've seen through every ups and downs and all the tangible things that many times we look about growth in a church, we look to like attendance and money, we're usually two things that, in buildings, like those are the things we think that the church is all about, and um, I, I've never really been caught up in those, um, never really been caught up that that's, uh, other than um, them being defining things of us connecting with the mission of God, to reach more people and pour it out, and um, us buying into the mission of God that we can serve more. Other than that, outside of that, not, not bought into money for money's sake, attendance for attendance sake. Um, but through every season, for the most part, I've stayed so confident and sure about what God was doing. And why I've stayed so confident and so sure about what God's doing in every single season is on Sundays and anchor groups throughout the week when I connected with each of you, I'd hear what God's doing in your life. I'd hear how you're going in the process, but you're keeping your head up. And it encouraged me in just such a great and deep way because you were being shaped into the vessel that he's called you to be and furthermore, us to be. And so every season, whatever it looked like, I could rejoice because I know that God was shaping us into the wineskin that he had called us to be. And for that, like, I'm eternally grateful. I don't want to be anything other, what's that Gavin DeGraw song? I don't want to be. Um, I don't want I know, I just felt like I started almost humming it in, in melody. Um, I don't want to be anything other than who God's called us to be. Very simple. And so I just wonder across this room what, what God might do in your life in this season. As, as we say, like, look, the old doesn't fit with the new. You know? 
this, you know, my lying at work, you know, about where I was yesterday doesn't fit into the new wineskin anymore. And the way I look at women as objects and not as God's children and certainly not my spouse doesn't fit into the new wineskin. Same goes for you ladies. I wonder what would happen if, if people across this room and across the city and the world, like if we just said yes to just not throwing a patch on, but just letting God make us new and knowing that he's doing every pruning, he's allowing everything to happen to knock off flesh and fat to shape us into the church that he's called us to be because the church is not a building. You know, one thing I really regret about, um, I say I regret it, I love having a permanent facility. It's really amazing. It's a complete blessing of God. Um, we had to spend six months leading up to being in here to really renovate this, or five months, something like that. And it was really exhausting. And, and the one thing I hated about it is I didn't get to connect with enough people in that time. We were doing, you know, I was busy falling off a ladder about where you're sitting, Miranda, you know, and busting my leg up. You know, we were busy doing all this stuff, building for a church, and it wasn't about the church. It's a blessing now, um, but many times we just make it about building and about attendance and money and it's just it's about the family of God sitting at his feet and being used of God and fellowship and encouragement and being the body and being the body and if you're here today and maybe you're just slapping a patch on or maybe you're questioning the process know that it's for your good know that it's for your glory or for his glory that everything that he's doing Every, every hair that's being pulled out uh, is that he, he might receive all the glory through it. And I believe that he wants to use us in this season, Fathom. And sometimes when you hear me say us, you think me. Or you think somebody else. And I'm not talking about that. When I say us, I literally mean like you too. Us. What God might do with some individuals who just said yes. Today on our three-year anniversary, one of the most powerful things, the first conversation I've shared, I feel like I'm turning into an old man because I say a lot of the same things over and over again, but whatever. Um, you've heard me say this before, but one of the most powerful things that um, first mentor I called, when I, I told, you know, Taryn and I decided we're going we're gonna to plant a church. We're going to move to Jacksonville and plant a church. First guy I called, um, had done it about 10 years ago, and, um, and he said uh, to me, you have no idea what your yes just unlocked in heaven. You have no idea what your yes says to God. You have no idea what resources God can bring to fulfill this. I'm, I'm stopping the quote. I'm now sharing from my, you have no idea what God's going to do through this. And I begin to talk to church planner after church planner that had done it already, and they say, you're about to see more miracles in the next coming years than what you've ever seen in your entire life. 
you're going to be blown away. You'll look back when you're 60 years old and dream about those miracles happening again. These are men that were 75 years old that planted when they were a young whippersnapper like I. You have no idea what your yes says to God and what it unlocks in heaven. I believe there's some things that are going to be unlocked in heaven today as you just say yes to what God wants to do, not just through you, but in you in this season. So I want you to stand. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in worship in just a moment. But I want you to close your eyes with me and just have a time of reflection on the cross and what Jesus has been speaking into your heart, what the Spirit's been guiding your heart to, to think on and And to just think that God wants to use you, wants to use us in this season.